Say, young man, where do you get all that energy? From kicks. Kicks energy stays with me. Helps me have fun all morning long. Right, everyone loves kicks skill. So remember, for lots of pep and energy, kicks for action. Eat, sleep, links, repeat. This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 14, Quicks. And here is your guide along the sticks of Quicks, your host, Mark Little. Well, thank you, Monty. Uh... By the way, almost every resource I could find about today's game since its inception in 1981 as an arcade cabinet indicates that the first letter of the game's name should be pronounced with a K sound, not a Q sound. So I believe that it should be pronounced kicks. Is that so? Well, in my language, which is English of course, a Q is never pronounced with just a K sound. It is always pronounced with a KW sound, as in quorum, query, question, quartz. Uh... Monty. Quotable. Quality. Quest. Quagmire. Er, um, Monty. Quill. Quisling. Quail. Quartermaster. Monty! I beg your pardon. Monty, let me ask you something. Uh, How do you English pronounce the word that is spelled Q-U-E-U-E? We pronounce it Q. Right. That's how that word, with a single consonant followed by no less than four vowels in a row, beginning with the letter Q, is pronounced in English, is it? Correct. Well, then, I should think that it shouldn't be too hard to bend the quintessentially arcane rules of the English language enough to put up with pronouncing Q-I-X as kicks, at least for the duration of this episode. Wouldn't you agree that we should end the quarreling and quibbling and just move on, Monty? Quickly, please. Good. Then let's swirl right into today's game, part number LX102, Kicks, released by Telegames in October of 1991. Quite. Oh ho, nice quip.
Vital Statistics. Kix was released in October of 1991 by third-party distributor Telegames. Unfortunately, I was unable to find the original retail price of the game when it went on sale. Kix is a curved, lip-style cartridge of unknown ROM size. Kix is a top-down action strategy puzzle game for one player or for two players taking turns on the console. The Comlinks cable is not used for Kix. Kix is based on the popular arcade game of the same name, released by Taito America Corporation in 1981. The screen playfield orientation for Kix on the Lynx is landscape or horizontal. Kix was also released on the Apple II in 1989, the Apple II GS in 1990, the Atari 5200 in 1983, the Atari 8-bit line of computers 1983, the Commodore Amiga in 1989, the Commodore 64 in 1989, the Commodore 128 in 1989, the FM7 1983, the J2ME in 2003, Microsoft DOS in 1989, the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991, the Nintendo Game Boy in 1990, and the Nintendo 3DS in 2011. There were several sequels to Kix released, Kix Plus Plus for the PSP in 2010, and also on the Xbox 360 in 2009, Kix Neo for the Nintendo PlayStation in 2001, Kix Adventure for the Nintendo Game Boy Color in 1999, Super Kix for the arcade in 1987, Volfide, also known as Ultimate Kix, for the arcade in 1991, and also on the Atari ST in 1991, the Commodore Amiga in 1991, the Commodore 64 in 1991, the FM Towns in 1991, and the J2ME in 2005, Microsoft DOS in 1991, the Nintendo Wii in 2008, the Sega, Sega. Genesis 1991, and the TurboGrafx-16 or the PC Engine in 1989. There are 256 levels in Kix, each accessible with a six-digit code. There is no code, however, available for level one. But you don't really need it. Packaging. The carton for Kix is a regular-sized, full-color, standard flap tab-style carton, five and three-eighths inches high by four and three-eighths inches wide by seven-eighths inches deep. The front of the Kix carton looks like this. Across the top of the carton is a black band that includes the Atari Fuji logo and name in white on the left corner, oriented vertically, with the Lynx yellow and red broken font logo taking up most of the band. A small white TM or trademark can be seen in white lettering at the top right corner of the carton. Below the Lynx logo are the words Video Game Card in white block letters. Down the right hand side of the carton is the ubiquitous gray vertical band with faux embossed Lynx font X's. Apart from this game, this band only appeared on the cartons of five other Lynx games, Blue Lightning, Electrocop, The Gates of Zendokan, California Games, and the telegames title Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. Superimposed over this gray band at the bottom is a small version of the red and white telegames oval logo. Straddling this band and the cover art is a circular seal in gold containing the words Official Seal of Quality in black lettering, with the Lynx broken font letters arching above. The Atari Fuji logo is below that, and the word Atari arches around the bottom of the seal, all of which are in black lettering. The background of the cover art consists of a highly stylized blue, yellow, and green curved playing field arching from the upper left to the lower right. Superimposed on this field is a large, long, metallic cone, similar to a fat pencil, colored in chrome and shown in perspective, reaching up to the foreground. 
Also in the background are two ringed planets, along with a spiky red ball, ostensibly the sparks. Superimposed over the cover art, about halfway up on the left, is the game title, Kicks, in large red capital letters, outlined in white, together with a small black TM or trademark, just to the right of the title. The back of the Kicks carton is laid out like this. The background is white. On the upper center of the carton is a small version of the standard gray and black cartouche that includes the Atari Fuji logo and name in white on the left corner, oriented vertically, with the Lynx yellow and red broken font logo taking up most of the top of the cartouche, and with the words Video Game Card in white block letters below the Lynx logo. Below the cartouche are two screenshots, both showing the Kicks data display and play area. The screenshot on the left depicts a game in progress, showing a Kix boxed in with primarily red and black textured boxes, and the right one depicts the same, only there are two Kixes being blocked in by blue textured boxes. The left screenshot indicates a score of 4,460, with 25% claimed and level 1 showing, and the right screenshot indicates a score of 2,678, with 16% claimed and level 3 showing. Below the screenshots is the following sentence in medium black lettering. Kicks TM is back and better than ever. Below that is the following paragraph. If you are one of the millions who have grown to know Kicks, rest assured that this is a faithful adaptation that includes all of the exciting features you have enjoyed in the past and more. Neutralize Kicks and its mutant offspring Sparks by claiming their territory before they frag you. Beware of the fuse and the spiral death trap. Over 1 billion moves and shapes as you are challenged by 256 levels of increasing intensity. You never play the same game twice, even a practice mode. Below that paragraph in capital block lettering is for one or two players. At the lower left of the carton is the Atari Fuji logo with the Atari Corp and Lynx copyright info underneath. The telegame's red and white oval logo are shown at the bottom center, beneath which reads in black all capital lettering Telegames and Telegames logo are trademarks of Telegames Incorporated. Kicks and Sparks are trademarks of Taito America Corporation, programmed by Knight Technologies. Copyright 1991, Telegames Incorporated, licensed from Taito America Corp., made in China. Then the official seal of the FBI appears on the right bottom of the carton, bracketed at the top by the usual phrase, Winners Don't Use Drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director, FBI. My copy of the carton says, For sale and use in the United States and Canada in black lettering along the right-hand spine. Printed on the bottom left inside tab of my Kicks carton is a small circle with the numbers 1 through 12 surrounding it, similar to a clock face, but the number 10 is missing. Inside the circle is printed the number 1991. This would indicate that the original print date for my carton was in the 10th month, or October, of 1991. Above the circle are the initials GC, which would refer to one of several printing houses that Atari used between August of 1987 and June of 1990 to print what is known among 2600 game collectors as the red box cartons. Finally, the bottom flap includes a UPC barcode with the numbers 5-021210-002252. If any of you Linksters have Kix cartons with different information on the tabs or the flaps, Please let me know. The Manual The instruction manual for Kicks is a stapled, regular-sized booklet in monochrome, measuring the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. 
It consists of 32 pages, including the front and back covers. Across the top of the front page of the Kix manual is the standard Atari Lynx logo, outlined as usual in light red, with the Atari Fuji logo bracketing the Lynx logo at the left. Beneath the logo are the words Video Game Card, rather than Video Game Manual, as it appears on the cover of some manuals. Down the right-hand side of the manual is the gray vertical band with faux-embossed Lynx font Xs. The cover art is a monochrome version of the carton cover art. Inside the front cover are several paragraphs of Atari, Telegames, and Kix copyright and boilerplate info. Three-quarters of the way down the page is a large monochrome depiction of the Telegames oval logo, followed by Copyright 1991, Telegames, Inc., Lancaster, Texas, 75146, All Rights Reserved. The next page includes the title of the game in black lettering across the lower middle, with licensed from Taito America Corp. below the title. Uh, the words Lynx TM, Portable Color Entertainment System Game Manual, are displayed across the top of the page. The next page is blank, followed by a page that includes the table of contents. The next page after that, labeled as page 1 and titled as Introduction, includes three brief paragraphs describing the game. Kix is back and better than ever. If you have never played Kix, you are in for a treat. No matter how many video games you've played, you've never played anything like Kix. And no matter how many times you play Kix, you never play the same game twice. That's because there are as many ways to play as there are possible patterns, and there are over 1 billion possible patterns. If you are one of the millions who have grown to know Kix, rest assured that this is a faithful adaptation that includes all of the exciting features you have enjoyed in the past and more. We have made every effort to use the advanced graphic and sound capabilities of the Lynx to modernize and enhance your Kix experience. We know that Kix will provide you with many hours of enjoyment. Page 2 includes getting started instructions. Page 3 describes optional game controls. Page 4 includes playing the game instructions. Page 5 includes details of the screen layout and the data display. The data display is divided into subheadings beginning with the number of lives, which continues on to the top of page 6. Page 6 also includes information underneath the subheadings score and threshold. Page 7 includes info underneath the subheadings level and sparks timer. At the bottom of page 7 is information underneath a new heading, the play area. Subheadings under the play area heading continue at the top of page 8 with game menu, followed by password entry, which continues on to page 9. Page 9 also includes information under the subheading level statistics. Page 10 includes info underneath game over password, followed by kicks kickers, which continues on to page 11. Page 12 describes the demo mode. Page 13 includes info about movement and edge movement. Pages 14 and 15 describe drawing a new block. Page 16 describes adversaries and traps, including info about the kicks. Page 17 and 18 include information about the sparks, the fuse, and the spiral death trap. Page 19 includes strategies and tips for playing the game. Page 20 describes scoring and drawing and filling boxes. Page 21 describes exceeding the threshold and splitting the kicks. Pages 22 through 24 include a lengthy description of Telegame's limited 90-day warranty. I think that may have expired by now. The next page is blank. The inside back cover includes a mail-in form to Telegames to request information on other games by the publisher, with only the Texas mailing address, not the UK address. 
The part number of the game, LX-102, is printed at the bottom right corner of the form. And finally, the back cover is mostly blank except for the telegame's copyright information at the bottom. Below that are the words, Printed in Hong Kong. My manual has the letters GC1.1992 at the far right bottom corner. This indicates that my manual was printed in January of 1992, despite the fact that the carton it came from was printed two months earlier in October of 1991, and it was a sealed carton when I got it. And languages, as far as I can determine, the manual for kicks in North America was available only in an English version. And that's it for the vital statistics. Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Oh, hey, what's up? I'm Button, he's Russell. Oh, hey, kids, this new Game Boy game? Hey, cool box. I mean, he doesn't get it, but here's what you do. Gotta keep thinking, right? Cause you gotta box him. And they make this little box and then you close it in. Whoa, level five. Yes. This doesn't even have any eyes. I know it's weird, but it sees you, right? Duck. Then some Mario guy comes out and starts singing to you. Weird. Kicks for the Atari Lynx was developed by Knight Technologies. It was licensed from Taito America Corporation, the creator of the original Kicks arcade game, and was released by Telegames. Unfortunately, I could find no additional credits for the Atari Lynx port of Kicks. Therefore, I will provide brief overviews of the companies involved in the release of Kicks for the Atari Lynx in 1991. First, Taito America Corporation. Taito was founded as Taitung by a Ukrainian businessman, Michael Kogan, in Shanghai, China in 1944. The company went through several name changes in the years after that until finally settling on Taito Trading Company in 1953, selling vodka and importing peanut and perfume vending machines, and later on, jukeboxes. It changed its name again to Taito Corporation in 1972 and sold its first video arcade game in 1973. Its American subsidiary, Taito America Corporation was started in Elk Grove Village, Illinois in 1973. A designer at Taito, Toshihiro Nishikado, created Space Invaders in 1978, an arcade game that became incredibly successful while simultaneously kicking off the golden age of video games. Taito also licensed many of its most popular arcade games to home game and computer consoles over the following two decades, including the genesis for today's game, Kicks. Taito was ultimately absorbed by Kyocera in 1986 and ceased operations entirely in July of 1996, selling its intellectual property to Acclaim Entertainment. Night Technologies Well, I could find very little information about Night Technologies. I did find that it was a development company that was started by John Smedley in the early 1990s that made contract games for a range of platforms, including for the Atari Lynx, the Commodore Amiga, and the SNES. There were two other Lynx titles developed by Knight Technologies, Dirty Larry, Renegade Cop, released by Atari Corp. in 1992, and that's a game I'll cover in episode 52 of the Handicast, 
and Double Dragon, released by Telegames and licensed by Taito America Corporation in 1993, a game I'll be covering in episode 35 of the Handicast. Now about Telegames. Now here's what Atari Age says about Telegames. Telegames is an online and direct mail retailer of video game hardware and software with U.S. headquarters based in Texas. They also have a sister operation located in England, and they have been in business worldwide since 1979. Telegames used to carry a wide variety of games for classic game systems, but in September of 2004, they ceased support of all classic and orphaned video game systems. They do still carry games they published for the Atari Lynx and Jaguar systems, however. In some cases, Telegames repackaged classic games under their own brand. There are many examples of this for the 2600. Telegames published a total of six games for the Lynx during the original life of the console, including today's game Kicks, Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge in 1991, which I covered in Episode 7, Double Dragon, which will be in Episode 35, Desert Strike, that'll be in Episode 42, Super Off-Road, that'll be in Episode 49, and European Soccer Challenge, which will be in Episode 56. They were all released in 1993. All six games were released as curved lip-style cartridges that included a standard monochrome booklet manual, and all were housed inside a regular-sized carton adorned with the traditional Lynx cover art and verbiage. Telegames also published five other titles for the Lynx just after the console was discontinued by Atari. Crazy Ace Miniature Golf in 1993, Bubbled Trouble in 1994, Raiden in 1997, Fat Bobby in 1997 and Hyperdrome in 1999. These later release games were published as PCB, printed circuit board, cartridges, and included only the most basic instruction sheets instead of a booklet manual. Crazy Ace and Raiden were released in regular size standard Lynx cartons, Fat Bobby and Hyperdrome were released in compact disc jewel cases, and Bubble Trouble was originally released in a clamshell VHS style folio case. Today, Telegames still sells copies of its Atari Lynx games through its British website. Check the Lynx links for a complete list of their aftermarket and homebrew titles. And note that many of the titles they offer have now been upgraded from PCB carts in CD jewel cases to curved lip carts in standard flap tab style cartons. And that's it for the credits for Kicks. Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Object of the game. Well, per the manual, the object of kicks is to score as many points as possible by boxing in the kicks, the spinning helix. As you complete boxes, they are filled with colorful, detailed patterns with a different pattern for each level. Complete a level by boxing in a percentage of the play area equal to or greater than 
a threshold percentage that is given for each level. Draw as many boxes as you want while you fill towards the threshold amount of the play area, but don't run into an adversary or trap yourself. After the kick's cartridge is inserted and the game is turned on in the usual manner, the silent opening screen displays the red and white oval Telegames logo at the top against a black background, with kicks in capital white serif lettering in the center, followed by a small TM trademark. Underneath that can be seen copyright 1991 in smaller capital white serif lettering. At the bottom of this screen in smaller block letters is licensed from Taito America Corp. After a few seconds, the screen goes blank and then the telegame's red and white oval logo is seen spinning along a vertical axis against a black background as the telegame's fanfare music plays. During this sequence, the word presents in capital white serif lettering fades in across the center. The last S in presents has a small animation of a white sparkle at its top corner as the music ends. Let's listen to that fanfare. After the fanfare ends, the screen changes to display a splash screen of the title, Kicks, which is notable for its small letter I. The letters are stylized and three-dimensional in a pink color, and they're shown at an oblique angle from upper left to lower right against a light purple textured background. Below the title are again seen copyright 1991 in smaller capital white serif lettering. At the bottom of this screen in smaller block lettering can be again seen licensed from Taito America Corp. Sparks can be seen moving up and down lined borders along the top and bottom of the title as the energetic title music plays. Pressing either the A or B button changes the screen to the game menu screen and the music stops. The game screen consists of two areas, the data display in teal, taking up the left quarter of the screen, and the play area in black, surrounded by a teal border, taking up the remaining three quarters of the screen. At the top of the data display is the title in stylized yellow capital lettering with a group of 0, 1, 2, 3, or 4 life icons. They kind of look like red and white bullseyes to me, to indicate the number of remaining lives. Below this are three boxes with yellow lettering which indicate the score, the claimed territory and threshold percentage, and the current level number. Along the top of the play area is a red horizontal bar indicating the sparks timer. More about the sparks and this bar coming up. The game menu screen looks exactly like the regular game screen except that the data display boxes are empty and the play area consists only of three lines of text in white font while the multicolored kicks, a green, yellow, and red swirling helix of lines that hovers and flies unpredictably around the play area, waits in the background. The lines are for one player, two-player, and practice. Moving the D-pad up and down highlights each choice in turn with a teal box. If no choice is made with either the A or B button within about 15 seconds, a demo mode begins. This mode shows how to move, 
some scoring, the adversaries and traps, and how things can kill you, all with live on-screen examples. At the end of the tutorial, this mode even provides a peek at the splash screens for two other Telegames Lynx titles, Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, released in 1991, and Crazy Ace Miniature Golf, released on a PCB either at or near the end of the Lynx console's marketing life. After the splash screens are shown, if no buttons are pressed, the game menu returns. The Practice Round Choosing the practice option allows you to have as many lives as you need to complete one level. Once the practice level is completed, the screen is returned to the game menu. Choosing either one player or two player clears both the data display and the play area, and play begins. Note that the two player option is identical to the one player option, except that each player plays their own level in turn on the console. Once one of the player's lives is lost, the play begins for the other player. Each player begins the game with four lives. The game starts when either the one player or two player option is chosen from the game menu. From here, gameplay is actually pretty simple. Two pairs of four white parallel bars converge across the play area and land at the starting point for your cursor, or life icon. It is at this starting point that the player moves along the periphery of the play area using the D-pad to begin to create blue or red lines, or sticks, out from the periphery. Holding the A or B button down draws the sticks slowly, creating red lines which can dangerously expose the player to the kicks. However, drawing the sticks slowly does award many more points. Once a portion of the player area has been encompassed by the player's sticks, that portion is filled in with a colored, textured field, and that portion is claimed by the player. Each level has its own color and texture for the claimed portions. By continuing to draw and connect sticks, either from the border around the play area or from portions already claimed by the player, the player can then try to box in the kicks. Once a portion or portions of the play area is filled past a given percentage of the play area indicated in the data display for the current level, level 1 begins at 65% by the way, the level is won by the player, and play proceeds to the next level. At every completed level there is a short interlude that includes displays, showing statistics for the level completed and indicating any bonuses or changes in scoring that occur. The first display shows a player's percentage of completion and the threshold amount, and indicates whether or not the player has qualified for a bonus on this basis. If a player has completed a level by splitting the kicks, more about that later, then a second display will indicate how this affects the scoring for the next level. Adversaries. Of course, the kicks itself is a deadly adversary as you draw your sticks. As you draw, the whirling kicks is a constant menace. If at any time in its unpredictable flight, it touches your sticks before you complete a box, your life icon is destroyed and you have to start the level again. As you play, there are two yellow and red sparks, they look like spinning dots, moving around the edge of the play area. If one of these sparks touches your life icon while it is moving around the edge of the play area, that life is destroyed. Also while you play, the red sparks timer bar at the top of the play area is counting down. When this bar disappears, it triggers increased sparks activity either by generating more sparks or, in higher levels, changing existing sparks into the dreaded aggressive sparks, 
which are blue in color and will pursue the player's life icon relentlessly, even following the icon right along the sticks. The Fuse. If a player stops drawing a sticks without completing a box, the sticks turns into a fuse that ignites where the sticks began, and it will run along the sticks toward the player's life icon. If it reaches the life icon, that life is destroyed. Once the fuse has started, the only way to stop it is to start moving again. The Spiral Death Trap. Players should be careful not to draw a spiral sticks in which they cannot extricate themselves. There would be no other option except to wait for the life icon to be destroyed, either by the kicks or by the fuse closing in. Scoring. Points are awarded by drawing boxes, exceeding the threshold, or by splitting the kicks. Exceeding the threshold. If the player's final box causes the percentage to exceed the threshold percentage, 1,000 bonus points are multiplied for each percent over the threshold percentage before the player begins the next level. Splitting the kicks. Each life has an associated score multiplier which starts at 1. If a player survives long enough to reach a level with two kicks, splitting or separating these kicks with your sticks can increment this multiplier by 1. Split the kicks once and points are doubled from that point on. Split them again and the points are tripled, etc. The Game Over Password A six-letter jump code is provided in the middle of the play area whenever a player loses their final life icon and the game is over. This jump code is only provided if the player has proceeded beyond level 1. It allows the player to jump to that level in future games. More about where you can get all 255 level jump codes a little later during the Fun Facts and Trivia segment. Kicks Kickers Well, after the jump code password is shown, a screen will appear that shows the score and player initials for the best games played in the current session. This is called the Kicks Kickers screen. Strategies and Tips The manual provides some helpful strategies and tips for playing kicks, such as drawing small boxes and building from there to trap the kicks or drawing somewhere else in the play area if the kicks is swirling nearby. Another thing to remember is to always stay ready to head for cover because of the kicks' unpredictable movements. Drawing a small box around the sparks to escape them is a good idea. And finally, listening to the sounds in the game for clues about any approaching adversaries is always a wise choice. So box in the kicks with your sticks and avoid the sparks in the fuse. And that is how you play kicks. Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Coming to a screen near you. In over 4,000 colors. With full stereo sound. On the largest portable video game screen in the world. Free. Only on Atari Lynx. Batman Returns. A $50 value, free with any purchase of the Atari Lynx game system. Now for a limited time only. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, 
nose and eyes, cover your coughs and sneezes, monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor, stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care, clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. This has been an important public service announcement from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Reviews and Ratings I was unable to find any reviews that were published contemporary with the original release of Kicks in 1991, but I do have a few reviews from after that time. As always, please remember that links to the complete reviews and ratings for Kicks that I summarize here can always be found in the Links Links section of the show notes. Here are some highlights of the reviews that I was able to find for the Links port of Kicks. Ed Castle, in his 1996 review of Kicks in the Atari Times, said the game's sound effects were crap, but he otherwise recommended the game highly. Here's a summary of his review. This game is amazingly addictive, but very hard. The difficulty doesn't put you off. I've played it for around 8 hours now and have only reached a level 25, but we'll play it for a good hour tonight. This isn't the sort of game you finish in a day. I'd recommend it to everyone. Puzzle lover or not, you'd like this game. It is one of my favorite Lynx games. Wow. I wish I could get to level 25 without a level jump code, of course. Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review, which he updated in 2018, ends his review of Kicks with this verdict. Kicks on the Lynx is a steady translation offering no more and no less than the original. Whether it will appeal to today's players is questionable, but longtime devotees and people who like unusual games will probably enjoy this title. Dan Lucen provided this summary for the game in his 2003 review of Kicks in the Atari Times. Kicks is an average old arcade game and nothing more. While the gameplay and the game itself make it a solid title, nothing about it really stands out in my mind the way that Robotron 2084 and Joust do. If you're looking for a decent title at a good price, check out Kicks. If you're really looking for an addicting game of Kicks, try the Game Boy's version instead. Well. At Defunct Games, Cyril Lachell, in his 2004 review of Kicks, gave the game a middling grade of B, saying, My main complaint with a game like this is how tired and old it becomes. Unlike Tetris, the game can be easily mastered and the problems never really get too difficult. All this game needs from you is a lot of luck and patience. But that's selling the game short. In actuality, Kicks is highly entertaining and well worth owning. The controls are a little sluggish, but you'll hardly notice. And best of all, it's two players. Not the best game for the system, but far from the worst. The eternally negative video game critic in his 2005 review of Kicks gave the game a grade of C, saying, Good, but not quite up to the arcade standards. Kicks is an average title for the Lynx. Well, that's pretty good coming from him. Jeff, in an undated review at jvgs.net, gave a brief review of Kicks, saying this, This is a very unique puzzle game. You start out in an almost empty box in which the Kicks spins and moves around. With your cursor, you make lines and squares so that you enclose the Kicks in a small space. 
For example, you may have to close off 65% of the screen to complete a certain level. This 256 level game has a password feature, but no continues. So if you die, you can't just continue, you must enter your full password in every time. But aside from that little annoyance, Kix is an enjoyable game unlike any other. Keita Aita, in an undated review of Kix at Atari HQ, summarized the game by saying, Overall, Kix is a conservative yet effective translation and should appeal to both classic fans and puzzle aficionados alike. It's certainly not your usual run-of-the-mill action puzzler, that's for sure. Keita gives the graphics 7 out of 10, sound 6 out of 10, and gameplay 7 out of 10, with an overall rating of 7 out of 10. John McQueen, in his 2018 review of Kix on AtariGamer.com, gave the game an overall rating of 7 out of 10. Here's his summary. There are many other Lynx puzzlers with better bang for your buck than this one, but Kix is at least worthy of a good pass grade, because there's essentially nothing wrong with it. It just lacks something to give it leverage over the Lynx puzzling competition. I give the game an extra half mark for being a faithful translation, though. That's an area the Lynx can always be counted on for. Mark's review. Well, I've always liked Kicks. Back when my friend Howard and I were roommates together in college, we used to play Kicks on his Atari 800XL all the time, although we were both pretty crappy at it. I still have an Atari 800XL today, and I also still have Howard's Kicks cart for that system. I hope he doesn't want it back anytime soon. And I was thrilled to see how Kicks on the Lynx would compare to Kicks on the Atari 8-bit. The results for me are middling. Here's what I like about Kicks. The graphics are good, but not spectacular. However, there's never any doubt that I'm playing this unique game, even when I'm playing it on the much smaller and more limited Lynx. And the difficulty levels in Kicks certainly epitomize the, quote, easy-to-learn, hard-to-master philosophy that Atari promoted for all of its games. It's a good pick-up-and-play title, especially with the jump level codes in hand. What I don't like. Well, the sound effects for Kicks, although evocative of the sound effects on the original arcade, which I also remember playing, as well as on the Atari 8-bit version, are merely adequate. They sound tinny to me, even through the Lynx's headphone jack, and they fail to replicate the exasperating, rumbling suspense that I used to feel when playing the game on the arcade cab or on the 8-bit. Also, the game gets difficult really fast, at least for me. I cannot even imagine getting to level 256 on my own without the level jump code. Perhaps a more gradual incline into gameplay difficulty would make this game more irresistible. Finally, I sometimes have trouble with the controls when drawing the sticks. I mean, I do okay drawing them, but I really think the Lynx's D-pad is not sensitive or precise enough, at least for me, to change the sticks' direction to where I want it to go. It's like trying to turn on a dime with a battleship. But don't get me wrong, though. I still enjoy playing Kicks, and it is a Lynx game I try to play at least every week. So here are my ratings for Kicks. Gameplay, 4 Lynx. Graphics, 4 Lynx. Controls, 3 Lynx. Music, 3 Lynx, only because there's so little of it. Sound effects, 3 Lynx. And for my overall rating, I award Kicks 3.4 Lynx out of 5. And that's all of the reviews that I have for Kicks. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Kids like kicks for what kicks has got. Moms like kicks for what kicks has not. Kicks has corn and that's enough. Cause kicks hasn't got any fancy stuff. 
I'm 82 years old, but as you can see, I'm very active for my age. I exercise, I eat right, but sometimes I need something more. That's why I talk to my doctor about tube tunes. Tube Tunes is an approved prescription podcast for those active men and women of all ages who suffer from mild to severe bouts of television theme music withdrawal, or TTMW. This rare non-genetic disorder is easily treatable for most sufferers, especially if it is diagnosed in its early stages. Tube Tunes is not a cure for TTMW, but studies have shown that this podcast is more than 73% effective in reducing the common symptoms of TTMW, such as nostalgia, melancholia, absent-mindedness, and excessive humming of TV theme music without apparent cause. Tube Tunes is not for everyone. The podcast is not recommended for those suffering from tone deafness, or an acute aversion to recorded TV theme music, both current and from the past. Do not listen to Tube Tunes if you're more than 10 months pregnant, if you were born in a month with a K in it, or if you possess an inexplicable fondness for Brussels sprouts. Side effects include an increase in memory, nostalgic effervescence, toe tapping, and even singing. Ask your doctor if Tube Tunes is right for you. Tube Tunes worked for me, and it could work for you too. My TTMW is in check, I've become ebullient, and my girlfriend says that even my sex life is improved. Tube Tunes is the only podcast that has helped me get my life back. Thanks, Tube Tunes. Get a prescription today for Tube Tunes at tubetunes.net or at your local iTunes or Stitcher store and start living today. Use only as directed. Fun facts and trivia. Here are some fun facts and trivia I have about kicks. Prices at online auctions. There are two loose carts ranging in price from $13.95 to $16.99 US, averaging $15.47. Single cartridge manual combos, there was one sold at $9.30. A single CIB on eBay, well, there was one sold for $14.83. There was a single NIB sold on eBay at $34.95. And a single Kicks manual on eBay sold for $7.28. Loose cartridges sold in a lot on eBay. There was one lot that included loose carts of Kicks, Blockout, Robotron 2084, and Stun Runner that sold for $33.24. Pricecharting.com averages. Uh, loose cartridges are going for $13.95, CIBs for $19.91, and NIBs for $29.49. Rarity Guide gives Kicks a value of $17 for a new inbox copy. $8 for a complete inbox copy, and $3 for a loose cartridge. Prices at other retailers. The price list systems at BNC Computer Visions in the U.S. crashed on August 3rd, 
2018 and they've still not been restored as of this record date. However, I do know that Bruce at BNC is primarily selling his stock now on eBay. His username is MyAtari. In the last two weeks, I purchased NIBs of both Packland and Dynolympics from him on eBay. They were in great condition and they shipped to me very quickly. Check it out. At Best Electronics, CIB copies of Kicks are selling for $19.95 US and Loose Carts are selling for $14.95 US. This information was last updated August 9th, 2020, so check the Best Electronics website for availability and updated prices. Kix is currently not available at the Gamesman in Australia. The Goat Store has a new copy of Kix for $39.94 US. Telegames in the UK has copies of Kix for sale at £19.98, including tax, but they do not specify whether it's a loose cart, a cart manual combo, or a CIB or NIB copy. And finally, Video 61 in Atari sales is charging a staggering $99.95 for an NIB copy of Kix. Rarity. Atari Age gives Kix a rarity score of 3, which is scarce. Scarce cartridges are those that you don't find in every pile, but you will find them often enough. Although you may have trouble tracking down every scarce cartridge initially, you can eventually get them all. Atari Gamer gives Kix a rarity score of 23 out of 100, which is common. A little harder to find and starting to get some value. Rarity Guide gives a rarity score of 31% out of 100% for Kicks. High scores. The top high score for Kicks on original hardware, as recorded on HighScore.com, is 29,634 points by GBPXL in Minnesota on October 16, 2019. In emulation, the top two high scores for kicks are 40,938 points by SBAS in Eugene, Oregon on October 13, 2014, and 98,515 points by Nognir in Regenstoff, Bavaria, Germany on June 13, 2014. The top three high scores for kicks officially recorded by Twin Galaxies are 91,204 points by Jason Dove on October 27, 2008. 81,110 points by James Carter on June 11, 2004, and 62,360 points by Brian King on August 18, 2001. At the Atari Age High Score Club, the 2011 Round 1, the winners for high scores playing kicks were PFG 9000 with 392,394 points, Atari 2600 Land with 95,222 points, Tempest 2K with 87,464 points, Xylon with 56,546 points, and Roadrunner with 44,764 points. My own meager high score is 59,680 points, and I got up to level 6, which I achieved on January 29, 2021. I'm still working to get that score higher. Cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. The only cheat I could find for the Atari Lynx port of Kicks was a list of all 255 level jump codes, which I found both at Atari Age and inside the Atari Lynx Hint Book, which was published by Atari in 1993 for Lynx game developers. Inside that book, the level jump codes are listed on pages 48 and 49. I've provided a link to a PDF of the book as well as to the Atari Age listing of the level jump codes in the Lynx links in the show notes. And that wraps up fun facts and trivia for Kicks on the Atari Lynx.
Atari Lynx Handicast will return after this brief vintage advert. Can anyone handle the power of color? Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. Lynx, so packed with action. Racked with attraction. Stacked with more games for total satisfaction. It'll blow you away. Lynx, more fun and games from Atari. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. This has been an important public service announcement from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Listener Feedback not a lot of listener feedback for this episode, but as Kicks is not a major Atari release, I'm not really surprised. Here's the feedback I did receive since the last episode. Apple Podcast Reviews Listener Bucky749 was gracious enough to provide a review for the Atari Lynx Handicast on Apple Podcasts. Here's what he wrote in his review entitled, A Truly Great Show. Enjoy the show and hope new episodes will be up soon. Have a happy and safe new year. Well, thank you very much, Bucky749. I'm very happy that you're enjoying the Handicast, and I hope that you have a happy and safe New Year, too. Facebook Comments and Messages After I posted an announcement on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page that Episode 13 Warbirds was available, I got this comment from Ralph Tribble. Almost done listening to it. Later on, he posted, Finished it up a little while ago. Now hurry up and get the next one out, smiley face. Well, Ralph, here's the next one. Hope you like it. I also received this comment from Peter and Sarah. Multiplayer Warbirds rules. Indubitably, Peter. Peter and Sarah also responded to a graphic that was posted by Dan Ramos in response to my Facebook post stating that there's always time for coffee and links. The graphic stated that it is the 90s and there is time for clacks. He also said this. LOL. Gee, Father, the parishioner in the back pew is doing a lot of praying. He's been on his knees looking down for a while. No, that's just Peter. He's playing his links. Laughing faces. Well, Peter, I hope you didn't get a rap on the knuckles from the nuns for that. On my Facebook posting at Atari Lynx Sector, announcing that episode 13, Warbirds, was available from the Atari Lynx Handicast, I did get one comment from Susan G. McBride. For those of you who don't know, Susan McBride and Melody Rondeau were in charge of the art and animation for the game Warbirds. It was a hoot hearing from her. Here's her comment. Loved working on Warbirds with the team. I also got a comment from Jerome Barreau. My first game. Spent so many hours and days on it. Simple and great. And finally, Luis Pabon said, As soon as I saw the name here, the start screen music started playing in my head. I bloody loved this game, as simple as it was. Thank you all for your comments. Twitter, tweets, and messages. 
Rocky3163 on Twitter posted a photo and review of the Lynx game Gordo 106. I responded by saying, Gordo 106 will be the penultimate game I cover on the Atari Lynx Handicast in 2025, frowny face. Rocky3163 responded, There is still time. Atari Gamer also responded saying, Keep at it, Mark. Then you can move on to all the homebrew games, heart highs, starting with my very own Turkey Puncher 3, Hyper Punching. I responded, I intend to. Don't know about the homebrews and aftermarket titles, though. There are more of them now than the original 71 games. Thanks for the shout-out. He responded, Indeed. According to the game database I have, the numbers are way more than 71, smiley face. I also asked Atari Gamer, By the way, when will Turkey Punch-Out 3 be completed and available in cart form, winky face? He tweeted back, I've added it to my to-do list. At the moment, I'm a little stuck on ideas of what would make it a more fun game. I mean, punching an evil turkey is fun, but that alone is hardly worth putting on a physical cart. Well, perhaps you're right, Igor. Maybe instead of a turkey, you could perhaps make it a large wooden badger. I also got a tweet response from my good friend Howard, HLO at Scribe HLO. He said, Never played the Lynx Kicks. That's one of the games I always love, but couldn't play worth crap. Best I ever got was third level. I responded, Well, I fell in love with this game on your Atari 800XL back in 1984-85. In fact, I still have a cartridge. In fact, I still have your cartridge. Howard responded, Keep them. Ain't got no room for them anyway. Thanks, Howie. I will. Brazbit at Brazbit tweeted, Good to have you back, Mark. Thanks so much, Brazbit. It feels good to be back. Finally on Twitter, Cujo at 86Cujo tweeted, Welcome back, Mark. It's always a pleasure to see a notification of a new Handicast. To the new golden age, brother. Cujo also provided a shout-out for the podcast. So, you discovered the Evercade and the Lynx carts found you as well. You're in good company. Enjoy the Lynx Handicast on that journey and you may catch one of my provocative cameos. Thank you very much, Cujo, especially for your relentless promotion of the Handicast. Atari Age Comments and Messages I received a comment about my post promoting episode 13, Warbirds, from Igor at AtariGamer.com, who said, Good to see you bringing out another episode, Mark. Thanks so much, Igor. It's good to be back. Audio Submissions I received one audio submission for kicks for this episode. And yes, that music means that the audio submission I received is from veteran audio submitter Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. You're 14 for 14, Shinto. Here's what Shinto said about his experience with Kicks. I've been trying to figure out where I saw this. It was either on an Apple II or my dad's 8088 PC with a monochrome green screen. But I remember a program, possibly a basic program called Kicks, which drew a trailing series of straight lines that slowly made its way across the screen. Cool to watch, weird name. Later on, there was a similar screensaver in Windows 3.1 called Mystify, which instead of simple line segments, used morphing polygons, and there could be more than one of them. But it was this Kicks screensaver or program or demo or whatever that had me staring squinty-eyed at an Atari Lynx game box behind the counter at Babbage's. The name is familiar, but... The box art had nothing to do with the kicks I knew, and I couldn't tell from the back of the box what the heck was going on, but I went ahead and bought the game anyway, brought it home, and plugged it into my links. 
They made a game based around that screensaver. Of course, that's totally not what happened. It was the other way around, but at the time, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The game itself, though, I really liked it. Still do. The music is pretty good. Uh, not Bob Vieira good, but respectable and catchy in its own way. The graphics... Well, I enjoyed the Lynx version so much that I sought out other ports, like the 5200 and 8-bit, but instead of a different fill pattern per level, the scaling of which depends on whether you used a slower fast speed, it's just solid colors on the 5200 and 8-bit and arcade, and that just made me appreciate the graphics on the Lynx version even more. Something I noticed playing this on my Atari 5200 is that the controls are different. On the Lynx, you hold down the button for slow draw, and just push the button quickly for fast. On the 5200, there are separate buttons for each, and I guess that's how it was in the arcade, too. I've never seen this arcade cab, so I'm just going off of what I read on ArcadeMuseum.com. I don't know why this was changed on the Lynx, which of course has two primary buttons, but, you know, I think I like the Lynx method better. Maybe that's because I'm more used to it. I tried out some of the other ports to prepare for this audio submission. I didn't like the Game Boy version at all, but the NES was pretty good, aside from some annoying sounds. In the arcade original, the Kix has an ominous drone going on, and I, I can't tell if I like that or not. But it does have a cool visual feature that indicates where the kicks impacted with your sticks, like dissipating clouds of smoke around the impact point. If there's one thing the Lynx port lacks, it's that, but I, I didn't miss it until I tried the arcade version. This is overall an excellent portable game. It's got short play sessions, it's easy to pick up. Yeah, it's not flashy, it really doesn't use the Lynx's fancy hardware features, but it's still a fun game with solid gameplay mechanics and a perfect title for the Lynx. Also, I thought it was neat how, as part of the attract mode, they have ads for other games. Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge I bought, but the one I was really wanting was Crazy Ace Miniature Golf. I waited, waited, but it never appeared in stores. I see that Songbird has it for sale now, but I, I guess it's a case of too little, too late. Kicks, though, on the links, that's a winner. Well, thanks so much, Shinto, for your feedback. First of all, I love that you thought Kicks was based on the screensaver that you remember from your Apple II or your dad's 8088. Of course, if you never saw the game before, it's only natural to think that things came out chronologically based on your own experience. I still experience incredulity from friends who think that Chip's Challenge was originally a PC Windows game that was later ported to the Lynx instead of the other way around. As for kicks, I agree with you that the graphics were solid and the gameplay is overall excellently done. And I love that you brought up the ominous drone from the arcade cabinet. I remember that drone phasing in and out when I played the original arcade game back in the early 1980s and also on the Atari 8-bit port later on. I guess that sound served kind of to remind the player that the swirling unpredictable kicks was never far away from zapping your life icon. That deep sound more than anything else is what I miss the most in the Lynx version. On the other hand, I also agree that the filled in boxes with differing textures is something neither of those versions of Kicks had. Nice touch, Telegames. And like you, I also liked the built-in splash screen ads for two other Telegames titles, which is something I haven't seen in other Lynx cards. And for what it's worth, from everything I've read, and likely that you've read as well, Crazy Ace Miniature Golf is not worth the trouble picking up. But if you do, please let me know what you think. 
As always, Shinto, thank you so much for your feedback about today's game. Keep up the fabulous job on the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Cheers! And many thanks to everyone who took the time to contribute their thoughts and memories to this episode, either by comments, emails, or audio submissions. I really do appreciate it. Well, that's it for my coverage of Kix on the Atari Lynx. So, Monty, what do you think of Kix? I'm quite querulous about Kix. Really? Why so critical, Monty? I'm not myself, I guess. I just finished eating a quay hog and quince quiche. Ugh, that sounds absolutely disgusting. But what's that got to do with your critique of Kix? I'm queasy. <sighs> Quiet, Monty. On the next episode of The Handicast, I'll be covering a sports title of sorts for the Lynx, Basket Brawl. So if you have any feedback for episode 15, Basket Brawl, please try to get it to me as soon as possible. And future episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast coming up after Basket Brawl are episode 16, Robo Squash, episode 17, Road Blasters, one of my favorites, episode 18, World Class Fussball, Soccer, episode 19, Tournament Cyberball 2072, and episode 20, Ninja Gaiden. So, until then, fellow Linksters, keep, keep on, on Linksing. Leaving so soon? are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Acid Road, Barge, New One, Poppin' Off, Psychic, and Soundwaves. All by Ketza. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerbi have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. That's nudge, snap, snap, green, green, wink, wink, sign them all. The Atari Lynx Handicast is a proud partner with AtariGamer.com. If you are looking for the latest Lynx news, interesting Lynx articles, a full list of Atari Lynx games, and a one-stop compendium of all things Atari Lynx, you can't do any better than visiting AtariGamer.com. Tell them Monkey sent you. The 
the Atari Lynx Handycast is also a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbackreviews.com. Just click on the podcast's link in the top menu. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handycast. In addition to Apple Podcasts, the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found everywhere that podcasts are sold, including Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. Be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handycast website. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. You can even purchase Handycast-themed merchandise such as mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts, and tote bags. They're all in the handy shop on the Handycast website at atarilinkshandycast.net. And also don't forget to visit the Handycast blog page at atarilinkshandycast.blogspot.com. Also, you can follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Plus, you can also follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search on both platforms for Lynx Handycast. And Reddit users can find the Handycast at reddit.com slash users slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast. Or you can provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. You can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at mark at atarilynxhandycast.net. Thank you for listening. This is Montague Habisham wishing you all a jolly good evening. The screen field plate... The screen field. Measuring the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high... 7 eighths... Measuring the usual 4 and 7... The game screen contests... Contests? It's a new word I just made up today. It's the opposite of consist. <sighs> and the play area consists of only three lines of text in white font while the multicolored kicks, a green, yellow, and red swirling helix of lines that hovers and flies unpredictably around the play area, waits in the background. Let's try that again. This, uh, let's see. this is called the kick kick... This is called the Kicks Kickers. That is really hard to say. But I really think the Lynx's D-pad is not sensitive or precise enough, at least for me, to change the sticks's... Is that a word? Although you may have trouble tracking down every scarce, scarce cartridge. I have a lot of scarce cartridges. At the Atari High Age...
<laughs> Atari High Age, which I found both at Atari Age and inside the Atari Lynx Hink, Hink book, and inside the Atari Lynx Hint, hint book, ah. and inside the Atari Lynx Hint book. <laughs> On the next episode of the Handicast, I'll be covering a sports title of sorts for the Lynx. Brasketball. Brasket. You know, it's where you put the brawl in the brasket. You feel it? Getting your kicks fixed. You feel it? With Carolina's greatest hits. Kicks. Get your kicks on Route 66. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.